Coming up this week, off-screen. We enter a whole new world with a new Aladdin. Uncover more of the secret life of pets. Take off with a rocket man. Get a little book smart. Visit the realm of perfection. And get to know Chelsea Manning. All those to come and more, off-screen. This is... This is Off-Screen. Off-Screen. Latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the Movie Marker Radio Show and Podcast. Welcome to Offscreen, I'm Van Connor. And I am Case Allen. Welcome back, Mr. Allen. It's Hi, I was off week. last week. Yeah, well, you know, to be oh, fair, like... it wasn't the biggest week ever or anything last week. It was fine. No, but it, it seems like I've got a good one in stuff movies. You have. I mean, yeah. to be fair, though, you, John Wick 3 was last week. That was great. And I've seen it. And you loved, right? I, really I, I loved, but I've I've got to um, confess something on there. Um, so there's a bit in the trailer. So this isn't a spoiler anything. There's a bit. There's a bit in the trailer where John Wick is on a horse. Yes, yes, he is. Yeah. And and honestly, that's that's what really not that I needed like selling on the film, but that's what really got me. For that <laughs> yeah. film. I was like, I'm going. That, that was your hook. That was my hook. That, that reeled you that in. That was my hook. Okay. But like, unfortunately, I, I went to go see it quite a late night screening because mm. I've got a baby and stuff, so I had to wait till the baby was asleep. Yeah, of course, of course. So I, I saw it at like eleven at night, but okay. I'd been working all day, so I was absolutely shattered. Did you fall asleep? I fell asleep during the horse. Oh. Bit. I I love the rest of the oh, film. Oh man. But like. Oh, I feel it for you. Yeah, I was I was just like waiting for the rest of the film. When's the horse gonna turn? Did you up? get to see him on the motorbike though? Oh I saw yeah, that okay, was great. Okay. Uh, well we'll okay. say though, the horse stuff is it, very fleeting. It, oh, that's that's all like, right. Then. Compared to how long, how prolonged a lot of the action beats and set pieces yeah. are in John Wick, the horse bit is very short. The horse bit is like forty seconds. That doesn't make me feel as bad then. So it don't, don't it could have just bad. been like a really long blink that oh. I did. Yeah, I mean, instead of falling asleep for half an hour. Well, you know what? Actually, it's funny you say that because I was going to say we can carry on talking about John Wick because uh, we'll, you know, we've got uh, you know film reviews, film news, box office top five, everything to come. But we need a big, big piece of film news to start us off. We are getting another John Wick, aren't we? This is happening. Now. Yeah, we are. Let's talk about it now. Yeah, yeah. Let's, yeah, let's start with that. Like John Wick Four. Let's John Wick Four. Yeah. It's funny, for some reason, I assumed this was going to be the last. I don't know. Everyone did. Why did we have that in our heads? Because the marketing had that tone of the final chapter about it. Yeah. It was just I, like one last, and last I think, time. Yeah, I think we all thought as well, like, really, how much more can John Wick really put up with? So, we kind of, yeah, we just assumed this was a trilogy closer. Yeah. It turns out it was going to be. So, how many can we. Do you think the fourth will be the last? I don't know, because there's that TV show to start as well. Yeah, and, the, the Continental. Yeah, and yeah. Keanu Reeves and Ian McShane have said they'd be open to it. I think Ian McShane less so, but definitely Keanu Reeves is open to it. They want to do a female spin-off. That's something they've got to come. I think it's called... With, with Halle Berry's character? No, they've got another one in development. I think it's called Lollipop or something. Uh, they want to do a sort of female angle in the same universe. And, yeah, so John Wick's going nowhere. There's there's a new character introduced in this, and I would like to see a spin... It's, it's not Halle Berry's Is character. it not Halle Berry's? Which one? Um, I don't want to spoil it. You don't want to spoil it. it. Do you know the actor's name? Yeah, it's... it's Is it's, it Asia Kate? Asia Kate Dillon. Yes. Oh, Asia Kate Dillon. Asia Kate Dillon's a bit busy at the moment. Uh, they've got to be... Uh, what's, what's, what's she doing? Uh, they've got to be the uh, villain on uh, 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 Billions. The villain on billions. Oh, yeah. But, of uh, course, we were talking about the villain. Oh. We, we were, yeah. So that's, <clears throat> that's what they are doing. Yes, right. they are. And, and incidentally, this is this is the strange thing as well. First trans character on uh, 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 US primetime TV. 
The only other one I can name off the, off the top of my head is in Supergirl. There's a character called yes, named course, Dreamer yeah. on Supergirl. Yeah. I thought, how weird is that that we have only two trans actors? Like, I can literally name all the trans trans actors as far as I can tell. Mm. So yeah, weird thing. Anyway, oh, uh, but yes, Asia Kate Dillon, I absolutely love. But I think I would rather see them Never become done. the Darth Vader of it. I think I'd rather they were the Darth Vader. Obviously, like... the the high table is the Emperor. Asia Kate Dillon as. Uh, as the Darth yeah. Vader, I think would that be that character and it just expands the world more, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, which the, this franchise has been really good at doing. But yeah, um, comes out in two years. Two, two years. years after this one has just come out. You know the really great part about this what? is they've got a release date. Mm. They've got a John Wick four. They've not got a John Wick though because Keanu Reeves isn't officially signed yet. How much money can he now rinse out of Lionsgate? Oh, so much, but he'll be fine with it. Yeah. Oh, actually. Is is that even the Keanu that we all know? Well, no, but, obviously it's not. Keanu will do it for the love of it. Yeah, but buy, buy him a new bass guitar and a new surfboard, and he'll be fine. I think. Like, Ke- yeah, I think Keanu's just amused that he has a trilogy that doesn't suck now. That's a good yeah, point. I think he's. I yeah, think he's. He's got a trilogy that started um, great and went great. It was. It was on the Late Show with Colbert, and yeah. you can just tell how much he loves doing it. And he kept. <laughs> he kept using this phrase. He kept saying, "It's just got loads of John Wick action." And he said John Wick action about six times. I know he uh, he spitballed about doing a crossover movie in which he played all the parts and it was just all his characters named John in one movie. That was something he yeah. spitballed about on Nerdist, which I thought was hilarious. Yes, isn't his character in Speed called John? Uh, oh, no, he's Jack. Oh, he's, right. he's Jack Oh, right, I thought it was a... Oh, yeah. But, you know, Johnny Mnemonic... John, Johnny, Johnny uh, Utah. Johnny Utah, Johnny Mnemonic... Johnny Mnemonic. Uh, oh. Neo's name is John it's Anderson. John Anderson, yeah. You know, it's, it's really That's weird. That's bizarre. Uh... Is he John in uh, Devil's Advocate? No, no, Al Pacino is John. He's John Milton, isn't he? Yes, he so, is. So, yes, because yeah. let's not be oh, too that, subtle that, with that symbolism. That film is incredible. I love the uh, Maybe Charlotte's one's best work, I think. You think? Yeah. Half your remote, Shouting, uh, uh, my ovaries, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was... Uh, Things you never thought you'd uh, get to say on a podcast. <laughs> but first thing I ever saw Charlie's Theron in, and I fell in love with her there and then in that movie. Yeah. So, but, uh, yeah. Anyway, so, uh, first review of the week. Let's uh, let's talk about uh, Rocket Man. We should plug the podcast, by the way, uh, extended podcast edition. Uh, this week will include a review of XY Chelsea, because we don't have time to fit it in the radio edit. Uh, so get onto whatever podcast platform you personally utilise. Uh, search off-screen, download, consume, and enjoy. So, Rocket Man. The Elton yeah. John biopic. Reg Dwight. Reg Dwight. The, Reg Dwight, colon, the movie, is here. Yeah. Now, okay, let's let's start with the obvious on this one. Bohemian Rhapsody exists. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's not bury yeah. the lead on this one. <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody exists. And which which music biopic are we going to get next? Yeah. I mean, like, well, I think... I think kind of a... Is it going to be Prince or Bowie? Which comes next? Let's, it's a race. Well, they're, they're doing the both. They're doing both, both are happening. What's, what's his name? Johnny Johnny Flynn. Johnny Flynn is, is the Bowie one, isn't he? Um, yes. I don't think we've got Prince cast yet. I don't think there'll be a Prince one for a long time. I know, but they seem to think it's coming. Anyway, it's a race against uh, race against which one can get here first. So in the meanwhile, Bohemian Rhapsody arrived. It had the response that it had. I, mean, I don't know how you. I don't remember how you personally felt about Bohemian Rhapsody. I didn't see it at the cinema yeah. just because like just had a baby and stuff. And also, I wasn't really sold on Rami Malek. And then yeah. I. I watched it on an award screener, and yeah, I thought he was great. Film less so. Film less so. Yeah. But also, every person I've seen of 
every person I've met of a certain age that have seen it yeah. absolutely adores it. Yeah, I find that really odd as well. But there are some there are some problematic things about that film. Now, it's quite it, it's by a good stroke of luck that Rocket Man was not going to make any of the same mistakes. Rocket Man was so far into its production, obviously by the point that Bohemian mm. Rhapsody you know, opened, that they couldn't have factored any lessons learned in. No. So by dumb luck, they learnt those lessons by themselves anyway. So, no soft peddling. No <laughs> no dulled edges. This really is the Elton John yeah. biopic. El- and Elton not John holding back. is a gay man. Yeah. Elton John is a gay man who never met a substance he didn't enjoy yeah. to excess. And that is literally how this film opens. Taron Egerton in the yellow, orange devil costume, wandering into a, 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 a group therapy session, sitting down saying, my name is Elton John, I'm an alcoholic, I'm a sex addict, I'm a substance abuser, and I have rage issues. Cut to black, boom, rocket man. Good. And, yeah, okay, strong opening. And it starts off on a more aggressive, powerful foot than something like Mahim Rhapsody does. Now, Terry Edgerton is no Rami Malek. I don't think anyone's ever going to call him that. But he's good fun in it. What then unfolds before us is a musical. A full-blown musical. And I mean a stop the dialogue, turn to camera, we've now got a choreographed musical number. And this includes songs by Elton John, such as Saturday Night's Alright for Fighting, The Bitch is Back. Uh, to my absolute surprise, I Want Love, um, which is, I know. I love that video. Which, and that's what everyone always says, and they know it. Because when they do that, mm. they stop, they turn to camera, and they, they do, do I Want Love. Good. The actual video is performed as the choreographed manoeuvre, and it hops between the characters they do it. So you yeah. get the young boy playing young Reg, you get Bryce Dallas Howard as his mum, Stephen McIntosh as his dad, and it cuts I between... I Bryce Dallas Howard was going to be. Yeah. yeah. Uh, worst thing about it, incidentally. But, um, yeah, I know. Uh, so we've got a clip. This is from, I would say, about the two-thirds mark. This is about the point we're in the rock star years of Elton John. This is him having, let's just say, a cutthroat face-to-face with his duplicitous manager, John Reed, who's played by Richard Madden. What's this? Hmm? Number 11 in Italy. The song doesn't work. That's the problem. The record's coked out, M.O.R. The problem is you have never understood me and what I have to go through. And you know what? I should have sacked you when you left me. I am glad I left you. It means I can maintain some objectivity in your self-indulgent, myopic little world. Get in the studio, make some music or don't. I don't care. Well, you will when your money runs out. Do your worst. In fact, take me to court. You signed contracts with me years ago, so I'll still be collecting my 20% long after you've killed yourself. So you can already hear from that clip alone that this has got a lot more edge. Uh, this has been played a lot darker, for instance, than Bohemian Rhapsody has. Like I say, Edgerton's good fun in it. Uh, the cast are all quite good, with the exception, I think, of Bryce Dallas Howard, who plays it a bit broad. And I think she's taken the musical element of it a bit to heart, a bit too much to heart in the dramatic sequences. Is, is she in it quite a lot? I, I would say, particularly for the first half, this is this comes from, uh, I think it's Lee Hall who wrote uh, Billy Elliot. Uh, he's written the screenplay here with Dexter Fletcher. And boy, does it show, because the first half of this is Billy Elliot. It is Billy Elliot with piano lessons uh, in, in place of, of ballet. Mm, and it's really well done. It's, it's great. Um, it, that, that stuff really works. What also really works is then the rock star years that follow. 
in the last ten minutes, this does become one of the most atrocious fantasy projects you've ever seen. I, I, I can't stress that enough. I mean, this surpasses even Brian May's brand management mm. in the last ten minutes. But prior to those final ten minutes, it's a really enjoyable, really good time. It's a really loud, proud, really, really well-presented musical. Uh, Edgerton's got the absolute, you know, the song and dance flair. He he can sing well enough. I mean, we've all seen the movie Sing, haven't we? Where he's the he's the monkey. He's the I have actually not seen it. I I'm obviously aware of it. I've just never mm. got round to it. He's I think the central character. I heard him sing on a chat show. Once mm. he's a much better choice for Tom Hardy. <laughs> oh, definitely. Tom Hardy was originally going to. Play I, I, I don't think it would have worked. To be honest, yeah. I don't. I think Edgerton gets it a lot closer to John. To be yeah. honest, uh, say this podcast. Uh, Richard Madden and Jay Bell, I think, are very good mm. as well. I uh, Madden just. Madden is so good in it, he almost makes up for the fact that yet again we have one of these biopics mm. that has to fall back on the now well-worn cliché and trope of the boo hiss gay villain. Would you say that he is uh, maddeningly good? Maddeningly good? I would indeed. Cool. I'm sure I, we're not the first I formed there, a special though. bond with him. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so uh, Dexter Fletcher absolutely owns this. He makes me wish that he had directed all of Baby Rhapsody. Rhapsody yeah. uh, because, honestly, if he could have done for that what he's brought here, I think this is a much stronger film, and I like Elton John a lot less than I like Queen. Yeah, get him to do like the Ray Davis biopic or the Clapton biopic next. Or... Now, just for a minute there, I misheard and thought you said Craig David. But, uh, well, why can't we have why, a Craig David? Why can't we have a Craig yeah. David biopic, damn it? Okay, so Rocket Man, absolutely win for me uh out now check it out with the latest film news and reviews this is off screen the movie marker radio show and podcast and we're back mr allen so uh where shall we venture next i think we should venture to the top five number five Paw Patrol, Mighty Pups. <laughs> which, which I think yeah. is like Mighty Ducks, but with pups. Well, this is the weird thing. I, I didn't see it. I didn't even bother trying to review this because as far as I <laughs> knew... Because too many people wanted to see it. Well, that was it. As it far as I knew... It was the event of the season. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. But actually, for some, it was. This is the weird thing. <laughs> now, as far as I knew, this was like when they released the Peppa Pig movies and it's mm. just they've put the five-minute episodes into a like a 20-episode compendium and put them in cinemas. It's a way to get children used to cinemas, which is a very which clever, cool. very good yeah, idea. Why not? Although I would argue baby cinema exists obviously my sister goes to baby cinema all the time takes hank to uh, see films like she wanted to see the hustle with him and which means my six-month-old nephew has seen a film that i haven't and uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. how does it make you feel yeah exactly but you know she like takes him to see the avengers and things like that but it's in an environment where it's okay it's for baby cries now he apparently really likes he's six months old he apparently loves paw patrol and my sister asked me, is this a film one? As far as I know, no. Turns out, actually, it's an extended episode. It's about 40-something minutes. Mm. And then there's a couple other episodes afterwards. It is the Mighty Ducks... Uh, the Mighty Ducks? The Mighty Pups. Uh, the Paw Patrol do superheroes, Super effectively. Right. That's, that's kind that of a gimmick. Sense. Something that will come up again in this show, Animals Doing Superheroes. But uh, anyway, I've not seen it. I'm told it's pretty bad. Uh, has anyone tweeted it who has seen it? Uh, yeah, I'm sure we have. <laughs> we'll find, we'll find <laughs> that tweet somewhere. Yes. Um, so, at Going Movies says, Mighty Pups took my three-year-old to see the Paw Patrol movie. He loved it. Fair. I know we have to suffer through it at home, but take your kids to see it if they're a fan. Ain't taking him again, though. 
laughing, crying face emoji. <laughs> well, actually, who wouldn't willingly do it twice? That, that would person's you? got some uh, serious sailorship issues with uh, with their children. I was about to say, you've got all this to look forward to, though, haven't you? Taking your kids to see uh, awful young yeah. children's films. Yeah, but like right right now, yeah. I can just I can he can sit up by himself, so I can punk him in front of the TV, put on Hey Dougie, and he's kind of. He's cool for like an hour. Enjoy it while it lasts. I will. Number four. Dirty Rotten, The Hustle Scoundrels. Which again, my six-month-old ne- six nephew has seen and I haven't. So. Do you know what this film was going to be called originally? <laughs> uh, Nasty, Wom- Nasty Women, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Which was a lot cleverer <laughs> a title. But also, I think the reason not to call it that is based, on the, yeah, based yeah. on the response to the final product. I think they would have assumed that using that title would sell a very different film. Yeah. Would sell a sharper film. Remember, Hustle is just such a naff title. It's like so calling, generic, isn't it? It's like calling Spy, Spy. <laughs> it's just. Yeah, yeah, I know. That was a weird one. But anyway, I've not seen it, but has I presume someone who's tweeted us has. So what have they said? At R. Janelle. Anne Hathaway and Robert Wilson is a comedian I never knew I needed. The Hustle was, and this is spelt with six O's. Okay. Good. Number three. The 22nd MCU film. <laughs> Which, do you know what? Which the I more, think was a working title for that. I, I assume so. Uh, the, the weird thing with Avengers is the more time passes, the more I seem to hold it in reverence. <laughs> yeah. It is in, in that in way. Ten, in ten years. We'll yeah. look back on that the way we look back on Return of the King. I hope so. I, I think yeah. we genuinely will. Yeah. Uh, I do love that my uncle, the most cynical man in the world, went to see this movie recently and for the first time came back and said, uh, rubbish that. <laughs> I said, well, why? I don't want to see superheroes cry. What's been his issues with, as you've seen his, some of the His complaint about Infinity War was, there's too many of them now, it's getting silly. Uh, the just the most cynical man in the world. Uh, anyway, mm. I, I think he's wrong. I think in ten years we will look back on that the way we now look back on you know, Return of the King. I do. I think it's just the perfect <laughs> trilogy closing epic. Except in this case, not a trilogy. It's not a trilogy. A well, twenty-two film saga. In, in a way, it is a trilogy closer because it sort of brings to brings to end phase three. I know that yeah, Spider-Man true. is the actual the de facto end, end. the de facto yeah. end. But this is your big. This is your Game of Thrones episode nine. Has anyone uh, tweeted us about? We're, we're waxing lyrical about it. We forgot that, you know, there are other people there's, besides there's us. Other, I know. The world it's doesn't not, revolve they've, around they've us. There's not just maybe some of us. <laughs> not, not yet. But there's got to be an Avengers <laughs> hater or fan out there, which we got, boy. We'll see. Um, at Storm underscore Bringer says, I watched Avengers Endgame and Game of Thrones Season 8, Episode 6, the same day. I feel betrayed by the writers. <laughs> He doesn't specify. Specify. Doesn't specify which. Right. Let's say like no. both. Both sounds of it. Uh, I'm not committing to anything long term again. Oh, that's, his that's poor a, wife. That's a man who's got a happy marriage, isn't it? <laughs> yes, that's uh. His poor family, man. <laughs> Number two. Pokemon, Detective Pikachu. You know, speaking of that, his poor family, weird thing, if you see that video for this, this marketing video they've put out for Detective Pikachu... Where Is that Ryan... one with him tap dancing? No, the one where Ryan Reynolds, to camera, talks about how he got into the psychology of portraying Pikachu. Oh, no, I've not seen it. Right, I'll tell you nothing. It's hilarious. Watch it. I, I will. will find you should it watch it after this. It's brilliant um, I, I think Detective Pikachu is in one sense this generation's Who Framed Roger Rabbit 
I think if you adjust for cultural inflation, it has that mm. effect. As the children of the Pokemon uh, craze are basically adults now, if you look at someone like Calvin, for instance, being yeah. pretty much the prime Pokemon. My my first year old uh, best friend, he, he was obsessed with Pokemon Go. That's when, what I mean, yeah, exactly. And there are young kids who are just as into Pokemon. So it weirdly has... That fandom has sustained itself. Mm. Oh, so absolutely. this absolutely can be a new Roger Rabbit for multiple generations, which is very strange. However, the film does kind of deserve it. It's hilarious, goofy, heartfelt, fun. Mm. I had a great time with it. But the guy that directed it, he's, he's, he's kind of coming from this world. Yeah. yeah. Like, all of his, like, family-friendly films, he seems to be getting better. Like, he did Gulliver's Travels, which isn't... Great. Not great. No. no. But I really enjoyed Goosebumps. Goosebumps is terrific. Yeah. And then this, which is a cut above, I think, even Goosebumps. And, yeah, wow, okay. Big yeah. fan. Uh, has any but he tweeted us about it at all. I imagine we must have a Pokemon fan. Uh, yes, uh, uh, Nika B or Nisha B maybe. Detective Pikachu is the kind of movie I wish I have on my laptop all the time and just rewatch when I am feeling down. Well, you just have to wait long. I know. I mean, you go to your GP and we'll, <laughs> we'll give you antidepressants if, I, I if think, it's that I think watching Pokemon and Detective Pikachu, antidepressants is the exact opposite of what you want. I think uh, it's, the, it's the kind of movie that if you watched hopped up on something, be a surreal experience. I, I mean, not even ju- just loads of Haribo. Haribo and like some Red Bulls. Number one. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. We've just been talking about him. Mr. Wick. Uh, Jonathan. <laughs> I, Jonathan. Love, I, I love how Ian McShane says Jonathan. I know, it's so great, it's isn't great. it? How does he make Jonathan sound like such a cool name? I know. Yeah. Jonathan. I, I feel, I, I now kind of wish his name was like Keith. Like Keith? Keith, I, I, I feel Keith like, Wick. Yeah, I feel like Ian McShane could make Keith a cool name. Anyway, so uh, John Wick Chapter 3, you've seen it, I've seen it. It's incredible. Yeah, it's, it's very, very good. I do. I think it's the perfect sweet spot between the stripped-down action of the first movie hmm. and the excessive mythology of the second. Yeah, the the world-building it. They found the happy medium, mm-hmm. and they found it in the biggest, boldest one of these yet. There's, there's a scene where Bron... Oh, God. Turns <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's a line... I won't say. But I, I know exactly what you mean oh, as well. Yeah. It just—he's he's terrific, isn't he? It's just that yeah. small role, and he's just like he's so much fun. Yeah, like, I need Jerome Flynn in more things. Hopefully, we'll get him. I, I hope so. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So, has anyone tweeted us uh, about John Wick Chapter Three Dash Parabellum? It's a big title. It's a big title, isn't it? Chapter, John um, Wick colon Chapter Three Dash Parabellum. Sorry, yeah. reloaded, reloaded. Yeah. Uh, at uh, Danny Sul- uh, Sullivan says, uh, so John Wick movie was very very good. Some respect for the Dewey Decimal System too. Well, it's important to have priorities. Re- yeah. Referring to John Wick's latest weapon of opportunity. Oh, right. I, I wasn't. I wasn't about smart. I wish. Well, I'm not. To, I've not to, been to treating that away. Yeah, I wasn't treating that as a spoiler. By the way, I don't think it is. But in the first five minutes of the movie, John Wick kills a dude with a book. That's, yeah, and it's, it's just great. amazing. Yes, and the movie's so great that by the end of the movie, you could well have forgotten that. Yeah, he's uh, yeah. He's, he's rekindled my love affair with books. <laughs> <laughs> Give a hoot, read a book. <laughs> uh, so, can we can jump straight to John McEnroe just for time reasons? Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. Is, is that is that allowed? Is that legal? I'll be honest, he doesn't strike me as the nicest person in the world, so... Well, after after watching this... One could say he might have it coming. So, (laughs) John McEnroe in the realm of perfection. This is an 
odd little thing, this one. Okay, so to synopsize what this is, this is a chronicle of the 1984 French Open Finals, where John McEnroe played against, and I've got this written down, it was Ivan Lendl. Ivan Lendl, yeah. This has been put together by the director, um, I'm trying to remember the director's name, uh, Farrot. I forget his first Farrot. name. Director, I, I'll, I will look it up when we play the clip. Uh, the director, Farrot, who, um, was basically working as an archivist, and he was archiving loads of old film uh, by the uh, the sports director Gilles de Carmenac. Gilles de Carmenac, it turned out, had loads of sixteen millimeter footage of this nineteen eighty four French finals that nobody had ever seen. He just put it in a cupboard and forgot about it until uh, Farot found it as part of his archival job. He has now taken that away independently and edited it into a documentary about tennis. A documentary about that grudge match that saw John McEnroe humiliated in front of the world. A documentary about cinema and fate and humanity and the human spirit. Here's a clip. Gilles de Kermadec was fascinated by slow motion, by how movement is broken down. He was fascinated by everything that allows you to see what the eyes can't see. Ask yourself while watching a horror film, where do these phantom and hordes of ghosts come from? That's before you realize that it's unwise to build your house on an old burial ground. Yeah. Wow. That's intense. It is a bit, isn't it? So it's a documentary about tennis. It looks incredible. It looks like what you imagine uh, French museums will look like in 100 years' time when they present these things as holograms. Mm. It, it does look like that. <laughs> I mean, it is. It's so 3008. You know, it's, it's like that. It's, um, it's a little bit of a convoluted exercise. So that, mm. on the one hand, you have the really intriguing portrait that it's painting of John McEnroe, which, you know, if you like me, you only really know the bit of his story that Shia LaBeouf played last year, you know, really well. Oh, I should add. Yeah, it was yeah. all right, actually. And uh, if you only know that bit, then it's intriguing to see this next chapter of that story. And this did work for me. It did give me more of a portrait of the man in pretty much the same way that Borg McEnroe did as well. Only here, you know, it's incredible looking, restored 16mm footage. Um, it's cool, it's pithy, it's stylish, it's very, very French, which means it likes to wander off into this sort of stream-of-consciousness-style pseudo-philosophical, you know, exploration of the human psyche, which really doesn't work quite as well as it should. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, it, it, when it works, it works, but the meandering and the wandering off prove really trying. It's an interesting experiment, though, I would recommend it if you're intrigued by John McEnroe or you're just a tennis fanatic, definitely check it out. But there's no crossover appeal. If you're on the fence or not a fan of any of this stuff, this is not for you. No. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the Movie Marker radio show and podcast. And we're back, Mr. Allen. So, uh, to, should we do a review next? Should we have a look at a film? Yeah, and what film will that be? Let's look at uh, The Secret Life of Pets 2. two. Which, yeah. 
just it strikes you as a pretty unoriginal title, doesn't it? But then you actually watch the film, and it's a little bit more remarkable than its title would suggest. So, yeah. do you remember? Was it three years ago? The Secret Life of Pets it was two thousand sixteen, wasn't it? Was it? First, I think it was. Yeah, it was even two, it was two or three. Two the three really ago. strange thing about our film, you, you might remember this, is that they marketed it with we've got a load of like cable TV comedians. They're voicing. Yeah, pets. we've got Eric Stone Street. We've got. Some, Jenny Slay, Louis C.K. Somebody C. else. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if we were allowed to say yeah, it. We can not. say the name in that case, because that right. was the case at the time. Yeah. That was, it was a different time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, so we've got all these cable comedians. We've got what's basically the Toy Story gimmick, but it's your pets. It's what do they do when you're not paying attention? And they have lies of their own. And we've got a million of them in what seems to be an almost post-Quentin Tarantino mm-hmm. anth- uh, anth- anthology Pulp Fiction kind of pop, a way. Pulp Fiction? Yeah, Pulp Fiction. Yeah, brilliant. I like that one, thank, thank you. you. And so you then got the film, and what you got was just Toy Story. Hmm. We've now had. Yeah, it, it, it was ultimately. It was. It yeah. really was Toy Story. It's, you know, the new arrival usurps the old favourite. They get separated from the home, they have to, have to get back. Yeah. The rest of their friends band together and help them or hinder them, etc. Yeah. So. We then get the sequel for which the marketing has been more or less the same. It has been, again, here are loads of little mini-movies featuring different characters on different adventures. You think, yes, but fool me once, George W. Bush. Fool me twice, (laughs) George W. Bush. And then you get to the film, and it turns out, yeah, see, that gag works, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, yeah. (laughs) It also saves you from having to actually remember what order it goes in. But, uh, so it's clever but stupid at the same time. That's That's how I describe this show. Exactly, yeah. It's clever but stupid at the same time. Yeah. It's George W. Bush, the show. <laughs> but no, no one's ever describing George W. Bush. No, I don't know who we would be president. Like, if, if we could... Clever but stupid. Yeah, which... Jerry Ford, maybe? What would we do? Are we a Republican podcast? I don't know. I don't, yeah, but Republicans We're, weren't necessarily evil that much back They weren't that evil back then. They had different interests. Yeah, they started yeah. becoming. Anyway, we're, we're, we're not Jimmy Carter. We're becoming bleeding hot liberals again. We need to stop. Anyway, so you get to Secret <laughs> Life of Pets too. Yes, and the film itself, and it turns out they've actually made the film they marketed this time. I, I like the idea of it being just separate little vignettes or smaller stories, and they're all coming uh-huh. together into one. That so imagine, if you will, effectively three half-hour storylines. You've got one featuring Max and I, Max and Duke. Mm. So, with Pat Oswalt filling in for the voice of uh, Max, and by the way, that I checked the timeline on this. That happened at such a stage regarding the calendar and scandals, etc. Yeah. They cannot have altered the script for this. They I, can't I, have. This is still the script that he would have voiced had he not. Do you, do you think that, that that original cast member? Do you think that he'd already started work on this? I would imagine it had to, given the time scale. I would imagine it would have to have happened. Yeah. Anyway, Pat Oswalt's filled the void, and he does a pretty good job. Mm. The idea this time is Max and Duke's owner has met a man. Oh. She has gotten married. They've had a kid. And of there is course. a new arrival in the house. And at first, the dogs don't particularly like the new arrival because all he does is cry and poke them. And then one day, the new arrival hugs them and falls in love with them. And they become his best friends in the world. Mm. And all he wants is to be a dog. But in becoming a surrogate parent, Max somehow gains all the neuroses of a parent and thus has to get taken to a farm with the whole family on a sort of family yeah, yeah. getaway to unwind and get away from the stresses of the city. While there, they meet an alpha dog named Rooster, voiced by Harrison Ford, who behaves like Harrison Ford. So, 
<laughs> yeah, I know, I do, know. Do you understand a word that he says? Oh, no, no, he's absolutely brilliant in it. But you've also got other storylines going on. He, he basically, Rooster becomes the sort of Jay Pritchett-like, old-school alpha character who has to teach Max how to man up and parent, damn it. I like right. that. Meanwhile, Duke's just off enjoying himself. Mm. Just being a just, just being Eric Stonestreet. Being, being Eric Stonestreet. Yeah. Meanwhile, you've being got Snowflake the Bunny Rabbit. He has he Kevin has Hart. Kevin Hart. He has taken to superhero games and put himself out there into the world as a superhero for hire. And yeah, I know. And he is hired by a Shih Tzu played by Tiffany Haddish to go and <laughs> rescue a tiger who's being held against its will at a local circus. Who plays the tiger? Do you know? I don't know offhand. I'll have to. I'll check during the clip. Hmm. Meanwhile, there's another storyline. <laughs> Told you. Meanwhile there's, meanwhile, there's another storyline in which Max has left his favourite chew toy in the world with Gidget while he goes off on holiday. And Gidget was that Jenny Slate? That was Jenny Slate. The right. sort of, think, think she was a Pomeranian. Not quite sure. <laughs> she was very puffy. She was very puffy. Uh, however, she has an accident. She drops the chew toy out of, on, out into the fire escape, and it lands in the neighbor's apartment downstairs, an apartment that belongs to a crazy cat lady. So a rescue mission mission must be launched, whereby Gidget has to learn how to become a cat, being instructed by Lake Bell's character, the actual cat. And, yeah, so I'll tell you what. Here's a clip of, I don't know, Kevin Hart doing some superhero moves. Let me tell you something. Anybody comes in here looking for trouble... Oh, they're going to meet my partners. I'm talking about Paul and Order. Paul! Uh-huh. Okay, well, you do know that your owner is just playing superhero, right? You're just wearing some superhero pajamas. Ha! Tiny dog, you're so naive. Point me in the direction of any animal who needs my help and stand back. <laughs> what? Help! Death blow! What? I <clears throat> Right, on paper, it kind of sounds like, do you know when you have a big animated film? Yeah. And then we try to capitalise on that by making, like, shorter versions of that, like little cartoons, little TV shows. like Netflix's How to Train Your Dragons thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, on paper, yes, I can see, yeah. And and kind of like when Disney Channel, back in the day, would do, like, the Hercules TV show. Exactly that. the Aladdin TV show. Oh, yeah, I I know exactly what you mean, yeah. This does, uh, on paper, read like that. However, it it quite clearly has been designed for the theatrical format. Those three stories are intertwined at points. There are inciting incidents, for instance, like Max has to go and give the chew toy to Gidget, for instance. He sets up that storyline. It's very much like one of our favourite Simpsons episodes, 22 short films about Springfield. So it it all comes back around. It does all come back around. It does all tie together into one specified conclusion, for instance, where I think Max kind of has to become the de facto character because he's his movie, more or less. Mm. He's always the primary character, so he has to take over for the conclusion. Um, It's quite charming. It's quite heartfelt. What they've done is they've doubled down on the gags, which, good move. They've doubled down on the heartfelt owner-pet stuff that made up the first ten minutes of the first movie and gone for a lot more of that across the board. And bringing the child into it and the way they explore that is really effective. I thought it was really sweet. The idea, the, the way they've portrayed Max, for instance, as the neurotic parent, but it's a dog, is done in quite a clever way. I don't it, think that's really been done before as well. It hadn't, no. But I did think I did think the voice casting in particular, Pat Oswalt brings a certain warmth to him that his predecessor necessarily did not. I mean, and I think name, that's needed. name any like animated TV show that's been around in 15 years. Pat Oswalt has been on it at some point. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, <laughs> it's insane, isn't it? But yeah, um, I think it's very sweet, very funny. Uh, it, it's a laugh-out-loud movie. It works because it stops and takes the time to make mm. you care every now and again. Uh, I thought it was great. I, I really did. I didn't oh, expect good. this to be anywhere near as good as it was. The first, I don't think, is particularly memorable. 
it, no, it's I, good. I remember you being really excited for the first Yeah, one. it was perfectly fine. But, but it perfect wasn't. Toy Story. Yeah, it, but it wasn't more than that. It was perfectly fine. I had some laughs. Didn't necessarily remember it a week later. But this, I feel like I'd remember it at least an extra week. You know what I mean? I, I, I'll rem- I, I won't remember this two weeks from now. You know what I mean? <laughs> but when it's on like DVD release and someone's like, oh, I'll watch it again. Like, oh, yeah, it was good. I'll watch this again. And when Hank's slightly older and watching animated films, you'll, you'll I'm looking forward weekly. to popping these on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so you got a piece of film news you want to do me with? Uh, I've got a really big piece of film news, but shall we? I don't know whether to just. Shall we, shall we move on and do it quick and do it when we've got more time? Let's do a review instead. Okay. Let's okay. go mad. Let's have more time for our review. In which case, let's talk then about Booksmart, which this is a strange one. This is opening on Monday. Okay. Oh, that's odd. Why is that? Yeah, this is weird. It's opening on Monday 27th because it's half term next week. Oh, that makes sense. Well, it's half term in the north at least next week. So uh, they're releasing this on Monday. This is the directorial debut of Olivia Wilde, who uh, has directed I love what, what you could really, you, you could in a reductive way describe as super bad for girls. Which kind of makes it funny, then, that one of the leads is Beanie Feldstein, sister of Jonah Jonah Hill, one of the leads in Superbad. Now, in the the place of Michael Sarah, you have Caitlin Dever here as well. I don't know where I know her from. She is one of those, oh, she's that girl from that thing. I I will look it up. I I, I really like Caitlin Dever. I've seen her on a bunch of stuff, but I will check the IMDb list. I'll I'll have her now. Yeah, please do. Uh, I think she's in, like, Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. But I, I, I think, remember seeing that film. She is in there. But stop. This is the idea that they are two high school seniors. It is the last day of of school, right? Last day, and then it's summer, and we're off to college. They discover that they have been sacrificing their their personal lives, their their fun time, all these years in the pursuit of their educational success for nothing. When it's brought to their attention that actually all the popular kids got into all the Ivy League schools as well. So, this being the last day, you know, the last night, let's cut loose a little. Here's a clip. Let's go to Nick's party. Are you kidding? No, no way. We only have one night left to have studied and partied in high school. Otherwise, we're just going to be the girls that missed out. We haven't done anything. We haven't broken any rules. Okay. We've broken a lot of rules. One, we have fake IDs. Fake college IDs so we can get into their 24-hour library. Name one person whose life was so much better because they broke a couple of rules. Picasso. That's, he broke art rules. Name a person who broke a real rule. Rosa Parks. Name another Susan one. Susan B. Anthony. God damn it. Nobody knows that we are fun. We know. They need to know. Who is they? We are not one-dimensional. We are smart and fun. This is the weird thing, because I think a lot of the shock value of this film would only work if you had no idea who Beanie Feldstein was. But you and I actually I know do. We yeah. do. We've seen her in a bunch of stuff. She's in What We Do in the Shadows at the moment. Yeah, I didn't realize how much she was going to be in that. Yeah, big player. She's almost that. like a lead character. So we know she's hilarious. Yeah. Um, she Isn't she in the sequel to Bad Neighbours? She is in... She's, she's the and one she, of the three main girls in Bad Neighbours as well. She's really funny. She yeah. is really funny. She is every yeah. inch her brother's sister as well. And she carries this in more or less the same way that, that Jonah Hill carried Superbad. Don't get me wrong, the films structurally are very similar. Okay. However, in terms of the tone, the intelligence, and the, the sort of focus of it, what you get is something actually a lot higher brow and something a lot closer to almost Harmony Corinne at times. Olivia really? Wilde, yeah, Olivia oh. Wilde just has these moments where she just drops everything and runs headfirst into Harmony Corinne. Mm. And brilliantly, though, she punctuates this for comic effect with the introduction of the love interest. So every time the love interest appears, this movie goes full spring breakers for ten seconds. Amazing. 
It's brilliant. It's got such wit. It's got. Do you remember Can't Hardly Wait? Because we watched that together of course, a few I, years ago. Yeah. Didn't we? Anybody order a love burger? Yeah. You know that gag in Can't Hardly Wait where uh, Sherman from American Pie keeps turning up in the background and stealing things? Yes. They take a cop car and it's like, oh, yeah. right. They do that in this movie with Billy Lord. Oh, really? And she's hilarious in it. Cool. She's my favourite part of this movie. Uh, also, uh, Skylar Gazondo from, from uh, uh, Santa, Santa Clarita Diet, yeah. Vacation Reboot. Oh, I like him a lot. I'm a big he's fan really of that funny. kid. Yeah. He's great in this. And he's got almost the sort of McLovin role, mm. I would say, in this. Yeah. Um, I was a very big fan of it. Jason Sudeikis, Will Forte, Lisa Kudrow, great support from them. I, I thought it was a trip, especially Sudeikis, for obvious reasons. He's gotten himself a plum role in this yeah. one. I mean, you know, it's it's not like he has to reach very far across the coffee table for the for for, for access to the director, is it? Can I have a job? I, I took I took Colson to see this with me, and I don't think he had any interest really in seeing it until he'd seen the trailer. He went, yeah, I'll see that. We mm. saw the movie and laughed ourselves senseless. It is very heartfelt. It is very sincere. It is super bad for an entire generation of teenage girls now, as in it's slightly more contemporary than mm. super bad. Um, I would say it, it's not as uh, it's not as lowbrow in any sense as Superbad was. Uh, does the same thing, kind of achieves the same results. I'd argue this is a lot stronger. But yeah, just a really great directorial debut and a really hilarious movie. You, you I mean, you and Cassie. I'm really excited. You and Cassie will absolutely yeah. eat this up when you see it. It's, it's one of those. But if Baby Cinema run it. Baby cinema. If baby cinema's a thing. If you go and see it there. Baby cinema is a thing, but I feel like every time yeah. we want to go, we're always showing, like, at Eternity's Gate and films we would never yeah. watch. Give the babies what they want. Yeah. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the Movie Marker radio show and podcast. And we're back for one last ride, Mr. Allen. So, um... Mm. Let's just talk about some film news for a second. What do you got for me? What's, what's been going on? I have on? some small news. Small news. Small news. Minuscule. Um, Rob Patterson as... An indie film? A, yeah, an indie film. Has Rob Actually, Pat- Robert Pattinson, me. Yeah. Has Rob Pattinson yeah, got yeah. himself another art house indie film? Do you know what? He bloody has. And that one is called Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, because it's going to be a, a it's going to be more of a gritty, uh, hard boiled thing, isn't it? Yeah, they, they wanted to have more of an evil yeah. sensibility. You can, you can tell it's going to be gritty because it's called the Batman. Oh yeah, oh, oh. Oh. They're, they're going full Nolan. With it. Yeah, that's what yeah, it is. Yeah, they're going to Dark Knight, the Dark Knight. <laughs> can you darken the Dark Knight? Non non more black. It's like Spinal Tap. Oh yeah, or just very very dark grey. <laughs> very very dark grey. Um, so Robert Pattinson. Yeah. This so he's. It's it's pretty much happening. It, it's so, confirmed enough. It's confirmed it? enough now, but yeah. I think we can just say that it's happening. So it was, I think, the shortlist. So it was obviously what Patterson. There was Nicholas Holt. So apparently they were the top two. They wanted someone young. Is, that was the interesting thing. They wanted someone of very that specific is age. However, what Patterson, two years older than Christian Bale when he started doing Batman. Again. Yeah, I, I was shocked to learn this. Yeah, he was thirty-one when he was Batman. Yeah, Rob Patterson's thirty-three. Wow, I, I had yeah. no idea Bale was that young. Why, what? You've seen Newsies, right? <laughs> well, I mean, this is the thing, because you, you see uh, you know, uh, uh, Christian Bale when he's a child actor, and yeah. then, like, two minutes later, he, he just looks like he does in The Prestige. And then he reaches his sort of middle-aged Jesus stage, which he's currently in, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. I but mean, having said that, Christian Bale can still shave off his, his new-age, middle-aged Jesus stage and look like Christian Bale whenever he wants. That's the weird thing. 
Yeah, he's got a weird command of his entire body, hasn't he? Yeah, like, I feel I'm like... sure when he's like 80, he could just be like, boom, I'm going to be 30 again. <laughs> I shall star in this movie. Like, I, will, I, will, I, will, I, will, I will beat this person. But um, uh, Patterson's 33, huh? 33. 33. 33. 33. Yeah, uh, yeah 30, 33. Um, so the other people on the list, uh, Aaron Taylor-Johnson, which I am... No, no, anyone but Aaron Taylor-Johnson. But he is going to be in Nolan's new film, we'll talk about that later. Yes, we will. Yeah. As is Robert Patterson. Yeah, yeah of course, yeah. Bit- so we can talk about that. Yeah, but remember when uh, Dunkirk was coming out? Everyone who was ever in like a Batman movie or an old movie was in Dunkirk. So. I know, strange, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, really very weird odd. thing. But um, yeah, uh, how do you feel about it? If that's going to happen, I'll be really honest with you. Uh, I feel I feel about it like someone's just said, "Oh, we've we've not got clotted cream rice pudding; it's just regular rice pudding." I don't particularly care. The end result is the same. It's a Batman movie. I'm I'm personally yeah. quite tired of Batman. Like I'm sure the movie will actually be fine. I'm sure the movie the movie could even be great. But I haven't cared about a Batman movie in nearly a decade. And I think yeah, I I, I, re, I was I really cared about the Dark Knight. I really cared about Dark Knight Rises. Tell a lie. But yeah. after that, I've 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 not the, cared the much about the hype surrounding Dark Knight Rises was huge. The culture that has surrounded Batman since the Dark Knight, to be honest, has ruined yeah. Batman for me. It's it's oh. taken a lot of the fun out of Batman for me. Uh, I've not even particularly had the motivation to carry on with the Batman Arkham games because that culture just ruins it for me. It's a lot like Rick and Morty culture. You, you just Very, yeah, you don't you get, you get tired of it. You're just like, I really don't want to have to put up there's, with this. There's a lot of like forty year old fanboys just being like, Michael well, Keaton is my Batman. But there's a lot of pandering yeah. to those fanboys. And oh, there's the, so much. Yeah, the, definitely. The Ben Affleck era of Batman has almost entirely been that. Well, I still like and... Ben Affleck as a Batman. There was yeah. just not a good Batman film. No, not and he at all. didn't particularly have great lines, but him, like mm. his presence, the way that he took it, at least without first appearance, he yeah. was. I thought he was really solid. That was it. But you do, you do sit there and think, like, with with Batman, you do you do think there's all the potential in the world to do something great with Batman. I always thought Nolan had preemptively made the reimagining before anyone had actually made the proper one. So. Right, I see what you're saying. You yeah. see what I mean? Because no one reinvented I'll, I'll, Batman. Arguably, the Tim Burton one is not a proper Batman. We've never Batman. really had what you would define as a traditional Batman, which is basically take mm. Adam West and do it seriously. You know what I mean? Take Adam West and do it seriously. That actually is Batman. Yeah. And arguably, the 1990s animated show is that. Is, bad, yeah. is literally that. What if you do Adam West, but serious? And so that's... we've got the voice. We've got... Oh yeah, Kevin. What's his name? Kevin Conroy. Kevin Conroy. The, yeah. the '90s animated Batman show. That is the definitive Batman in any shape or form. Everything it does with Batman is terrific. The way it brings in even invented characters that they had to adopt into the rest of the culture yeah. because the animated show just came just up with it. such yeah. great stuff. But uh, I say, if you want to do the Batman, and it's basically Batman Year One with Robert Pattinson as a sort of Kevin Conroy-ish Batman, yeah, I have all detective the, stuff. Yeah, I have all the time in the world for that. As do I. And looking at him as an actor from the last eight years, he's been pretty consistently good. People have said Cosmopolis is the touchstone point for his Batman. In I the same have, uh, yeah. way that American Psycho was the touchstone point for Christian Bale. And I can Batman. totally see that. Do you know, that, that yeah. was a few years removed as well. Yeah. No, that, I would, I, I would be very happy with that kind of a, a comparison, that kind of contrast. Yeah. yeah. But just some of the films that he's been, like The Rover was really good. and High like, Life recently. High Life, you uh, said, was really good. Um, good Time? Good Time was amazing. Yeah, it was Good Time. But, uh, yeah. Oh, and uh, Childhood of a Leader. He was in yeah. that, which was Brady Corbett's directorial debut. Yes. Yeah, that was he really followed good. that up recently um, with Vox Lux, didn't he? What's the... 
Lost City of Z. Oh, yes, of course. Yes, he got yeah. quite big plot. James King was a big fan of him in that. Yeah. But James King. He's, he's done a lot of those, like, otter-driven ones. And then, you know, he's going to be one of the leads in a bloody Chris Nolan film. Yeah. So there's got to be something there. He's not just the sparkly vampire. Oh, no, no. So speaking of sparkle, can we do the final review of the week? Yeah. Final, final radio of review of the week. Of course we can. Let's talk about Aladdin. <laughs> Let's, so. let's do it. So, um, so this this just came out in uh, nineteen ninety three. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So ninety three's Aladdin, <laughs> and believe me, this is an adaptation. It, it, typical Disney live action adaptation. This is an adaptation of their animated film, not any other version. Okay. okay, Beauty and the Beast pushed that envelope a little bit by incorporating some music from the stage show, which had by that point taken on a life and a fan base of its own anyway. This adds one original song and a couple of supporting characters to kind of pad it out. This is 48 minutes longer than the original animated one, I think, I'm guess. If you take the original to be 90 minutes, this would be, this would be uh, sorry, 38 minutes longer. Uh, so it's basically then a third longer. Is it a third better? Well, it is basically the same exact story. Guy Ritchie has shot it, and I say that in the loosest possible sense. It stars Mina Masood uh, and Naomi Scott as uh, Aladdin and Jasmine, respectively, and Will Smith is the genie. You know the story. Diamond in the Rough, Street Rat, Pickpocket, Thief, Aladdin. I'm disappointed you didn't sing Street Rat. Yeah, Riff Raff, Street Rat, uh, Street Rat, I don't buy that. Um, Who uh, takes one jump over the bread? Anyway, I'm not going down. I'm not going down. There. Okay. Anyway, as you can tell, I know Aladdin very well. Um, so he falls in love with the princess. The princess can only marry a prince. He finds a magic lamp, rubs it. Hijinks ensue. Hijinks ensue. He becomes a prince. Prince Ali of Ababwa. And uh, strong as met. Strong, strong as ten. ten. Regular, regular men. Take, take it from me. me. Here's a clip. Hey, can you make me a prince? There is a lot of gray area in make me a prince. I could just make you a prince. Oh, no. Right. You'd be snuggled up with that dude for the rest of your life. Y'all see my palace? Be specific with your words. The deal is in the detail. Got it. Which I don't really understand, because if she already likes you, why change? I told you, she has to marry a prince. I just want to go home, man. Okay. I can do that. Now, doesn't he sound an awful lot like Hitch in that scene? Yeah. He does. Was, now, was someone just comparing this film? Like, I'm sure, like, someone has said this film is just, like, Hitch. Right. Here's <laughs> the weird thing. Here's the weird thing. Right. It, Will Smith has filmed about 90% of this on a green screen, presumably away from the rest of the film. Not a blue screen. Not, not a blue screen. Uh, although that would have been clever. <laughs> anyway, but no, because you could make him up with blue makeup and then yes. put him on a green screen. But So this is the idea. So much of Will Smith's stuff, and but the CG's kind of ropey in this, so you can visibly tell what's been filmed on a green screen. Now, because so much of Will Smith's role has taken place away from everyone else, or maybe with just one person mm. and not the actual physical set... It quickly becomes obvious that Will Smith has been pitched a very, very different film to everyone else in this. Will Smith has visibly, at some point, been told this was going to be a RuPaul-inspired hip-hop take on Aladdin. And what Will Smith has done with that is to interpret it as, I'm going to do Fresh Prince with a bit of hitch and a Master of Ceremonies. Now that movie, I want to see. I desperately want to see... Is that not what this is? That is not what, that, that not what this that's is. That's kind of what it feels like... That's, that's what mm. you see of Virginia in the trailers. Right, because that's the movie Will Smith is showing up and performing in. Mm. Nobody else Nobody is in that movie. Is. Everyone else is in a lacklustre pantomime. Mm. 
so, this, first of all, could be the least capably directed musical I have ever seen. 90% of this is and shot... And you've seen Mamma Mia? And I've seen Mamma Mia. Yeah. Uh, Ro- it, Rocket oh, yeah. Man, this week, is a better musical but than Aladdin. What about... I'm going to thank some of the bad ones. Uh, what about uh, Rock of Ages? Better than this. Better than, better than this as a musical. Well, that's got Tom, right. Tom Cruise being uh, John Mojave. I mean, everything is shot in a medium wide. Everything's that same medium wide shot. Every single scene, medium, medium wide, wide shot. Oh, is it an intense emotional scene? Medium, medium wide. wide. Big musical, medium wide. Exactly. Mm. Everything's a medium wide. And it's not helped by the fact the CGI is just a dumpster fire. Yeah. Hot. Is it? Is it like those fairies in Maleficent? Yes. That's why I could... Exactly that. It was badly. Like, I couldn't finish Maleficent because of they were too mm. they were too like kind of uncanny. Mm, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Maleficent only one of these movies that this is better than. Incidentally, right. uh, the CG is terrible. The sound mixing is terrible to the extent that when they do a pretty lame reenactment of a whole, of a whole new world, they actually drown out Jasmine at one point, which is kind of counterproductive. Uh, Jafar is horribly miscast. Mina Masood's just doing an impersonation. The Jasmine character, an attempt to update her. Really runs this thing into the ground. I think Although people have had some issues with uh, the Jafar casting just before we even saw it. But like, yeah. I, I I think if you were to get an older actor, if you were to get an Odad Fair, because obviously if, that's that was my want, go-to. That's yeah. who you want, and everyone else wants a Ben Kingsley. Wouldn't it be a bit creepy? Because Jasmine's meant to be a teenage girl. <laughs> no, they have they've they've shaved a lot of that away. They've removed a lot of the sleazier components of that dynamic. Incidentally, they have also removed Red Jasmine. If you're wondering, so nil poire from me. But uh, it's a so, thing. So that's why it's your favourite. <laughs> anyway, but this is the thing. So it's a film that's so badly written that uh, at one point that they never explain Jafar's actual motivation. But at one point they stop and give a five minute backstory to Hakim, the head of security. Really. Oh. An actual origin story for Hakim, the head of security, when you've not explained what the hell the motivation of the villain is. Was that what the head of security was called in the... No oh, idea. Even have an... I don't there, think he... there, there is a head of security. There is. I don't think he has a, a name. However, a Will Smith, great. Naomi Scott, great, despite the fact the character is garbage. And uh, Nazim uh, Padrad from New Girl. Oh, she's amazing. You know who plays Winston's yes. love interest yeah. in New Girl? Uh, she's in this as a new character, uh, Dahlia, who's been introduced as a sort of handmaiden for uh, for uh, uh, for Jasmine. So she has some yeah, I, I think she's there because Raja, I could I can imagine. Raja is in the film. But, but he's not... Like a character in the way that Roger is in the he he is actually this really? is the thing I think we were lied to about that because Roger still uh, behaves relatively like a guard dog. Mm. Anyway, the whole thing is the film is drivel, the film is garbage, but Will Smith is not, and Will Smith's appearing in a different movie to everyone else, and that movie is great. That's the movie. So that might be worth going for then. Uh, is it worth staying at home and waiting until it comes to you for? Yes. Right. However, I will tell you, this is, this is the defining... Because there's little hints of that movie, though, which you think had to have existed at some point. Mm. And nowhere is that stronger than when it cuts to black at the very end and says, directed by Guy Ritchie, and the first thing you hear is, Will Smith! Did you call it? Mm. Boom. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah he's, he's the big name on the credits, though, isn't he? So you kind of can't... Yeah. <laughs> when, when you hear that, though, you're like, I really wish you'd made this movie. 
Why did you not make this movie? It was obviously a consideration at some point. Well, maybe they should have got a, a director with a little bit more... I don't want to say more energy, because, like... Yeah, no energy to it. Yeah, but Garage has made very energetic films. No, none of that. Even the street rat running through the... Jumping through buildings, things like that. Uh, because that's no. the reason why I thought you'd get someone like Garage. Yeah, you would think, wouldn't you? After Sherlock Holmes and uh, uh, King Arthur... Yeah, you would have, you would which have I've, I've still not watched. Yeah, don't watch Kevin Arthur, it's terrible. Anyway, uh, yeah, epic fail. Epic fail. Second worst one of these. Wow. But, uh, and, uh, and which which ones have we had? So, oh, we so had Maleficent, what, what, what Jungle Book, uh, um, Pete's Dragon. Uh, I like Pete's Dragon. I like Pete's Dragon. Yeah, I, I, but, I feel uh, like it got... Yeah. A bit of a bad, but like pe- people liked it, but we just kind of forgot it was a thing. It's a Cinderella, I quite liked, but no, this is this is definitely not one of the better ones. But no. uh, alas, it is not our film of the week. Well, what any rate. a shocker! <laughs> I know, right? I mean, it doesn't seem like a bad week, right, to be fair. It's, it's been a pretty good week. I really Some liked uh, Secret Life of Pets. I loved Booksmart. I, I would mm. see Booksmart this week. I mean, I know it's not out till Monday. You can't wait till then to see Secret Life of Pets too, or Rocket Man. Both are pretty good. I think Rocket Man's going to make Rocket all the money, huge money. Yeah, yeah. yeah like it's like especially over here, but it's it's always going to be compared to Bohemian Rhapsody. I didn't think Bohemian Rhapsody would do well in America, but it did. <laughs> uh, anyway, people so. love Freddy. <laughs> Next week's some interesting stuff. Mm. Next week we've got uh, Sunset, which is the... Uh, What's that? Uh, Sunset is the, the... I don't know, it was a festival movie. I think it was a Berlinale last year, people were talking about it. We've got a lot to look forward to. Rory's Way with Brian Cox is next week as well. It's a British film which Brian Cox is a terminally ill man who bonds with his estranged son as he's getting treatment. Uh, Thunder Road. I don't know anything about this, but people yeah. keep talking about it. Jim Cummings. We've we've had that on our yeah. mutual streaming service. Probably. Yeah, yeah, right, really. yeah. Uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters is next week. Yes, with one of my favourite trailer lines ever. Let them fight. No, because that was on the last one, and, and that's great. That's incredible. But no, Carl Chandler yeah. says, "Oh my god," and then Bradley Whitford says, "Zilla." <laughs> <laughs> that's that's up there with John Malkovich being Sai Onara. Oh, no. yeah. I watched that recently as well. Uh, and last but by no means least, I don't think we'll get to review it next week. But Octavia Spencer in Ma. That's out next week. It's not being shown until Thursday night though, so you know, the night before the release. So we'll get to see it. We shall see it. But uh, we'll see it eventually. We'll try and see it for the following week. Um, in the meanwhile, that's that's all for us on the, the radio side of this. So uh, download the podcast edition for uh, more news, review of XY Chelsea, and our signature moment of cage, of course. Uh, in the meanwhile, this has been a candy store edition of the movie market. I've been Van Connor, and I was the fifth choice to be the new Batman. <laughs> we'll be back. Just show me the way to get out of here, and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Offscreen. For more movie news, reviews and more, visit moviemarker.co.uk. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. Podcast extras are happening right now in your ears. In your ears. In your ear holes. <laughs> that's one of our... Uh, yeah. I think that's one of our marketing slogans. Everything big in movies. In your... In, right in your in, ears. Right yeah. in your ears. Yeah. <laughs> Getting right on a... Up there. But uh, so uh, can, we talk, can we talk about this uh, this minor controversy that's erupted around uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Quentin Tarantino's new film. Oh, well, it's just a minor one, isn't it? It's just a, a minor, minor one. And this is a French journalist has asked Tarantino um, about if he thinks it's it's it's, it's fair to describe Sharon, uh, Sharon Tate's character Margot Robbie yeah. as having few lines in the actual film, and his response. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> his response is, well, I just reject your hypothesis. <laughs> At which point he then just left the room. Gone. Amazing. That is, that's, I can't sanction your buffoonery all over again. <laughs> yes, it? it is. That's, yeah. that's what that I, is. I think we're both going to serve it up, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. I, I just reject your hypothesis. Yeah. Totally. Um, <laughs> that's getting really good review out, reviews out of camp. Yes, it is. It's getting a lot of uh, five-star reviews. And uh, mm. I've read once that said that it is Tarantino's uh, sweetest film. Huh. Yeah. Well, it's not something I'd expect of him. So. No, it's never like it's it's got some of your classic Tarantino, but like it's it's got gore in places where you think it's gonna go and that sort of thing. But then it's it's quite hopeful at the end. Huh. And he's he's like an actual fairy tale as well. I look forward to it. I mean it looks fun. I look forward it does to look, it. Does, yeah. It does look like it's got some swagger, doesn't it? Yeah. But... I don't know, I, I think of you for some reason as being someone that is not a huge Tarantino fan. Yeah, I mean, I'm not particularly a huge Tarantino. Just like the ones that we've spoken, the ones we've done together. Mm. I think he's, he's made he's made a couple of surprisingly good ones. I thought Hateful Eight was better than it had any right to be. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, and uh, and I I love Django and I love Inglorious Bastards. I and... see. I couldn't get into Django or Inglorious. Oh, so maybe. But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, time will tell on that one. Yeah. So. Um, the, ta- the the Nolan movie that has a title now. Yeah, it? we could talk about. It. Oh man. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Tenet. 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 So um, okay. he's breaking with tradition and he's gone with a one word title. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tenet. Nobody knows what it means. So it's got Kenneth Branagh, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Clemens Posey, Dimple Kapadia. which is and, my favourite name of all time. I know, yep. and of course Michael Caine, uh, joining John David Robinson, uh, Robinson, John David Washington, Washington Elizabeth who's apparently the, the lead. Yeah, and yeah. Elizabeth Debicki and Robert Pattinson, and this is described as an adventure in the world of international espionage. Yes, to be shot in seven countries. Yes, described as a globe-trotting adventure that dabbles in international espionage with shades of a mind-bending inception, but also somehow involves a time uh, continuum uh, a la Interstellar. Huh, okay, I'm intrigued. Yeah, and uh, Tenet, by definition... Mm -hmm. What does it mean, yeah? A principle or belief, Ah. especially one of the main principles of a religion or philosophy. Ah, so for something that's wow. been very Nolan-y then. Very, yeah. Something's going to be very Nolan-y. It doesn't sound like uh, a soft scoop title, does it? No, no, it it does not. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, of course. What's this nonsense now so. about Dan Aykroyd penning a prequel to Ghostbusters? <laughs> yeah, with like teenage Ghostbusters. Like, seriously, Dan? Yeah. Seriously? So they like Venkman meeting them. I, t- I tell you time. something. Like, that's it. Didn't we do this with Scooby-Doo when they met and fought zombies in high school? Yeah. But uh, now this is the weird thing, though. Dan Aykroyd will not be happy until there are 96 Ghostbusters movies, each increasingly poorer than the last, and he's somehow involved in every single one of them. Yeah. but He's been pretty, like, kind of... Um... Yeah, I mean... Ven- venomous about uh, the last one, wasn't he? He hated it. I-, I don't understand the hate for the Ghostbusters reboot. I mean, all right, it's not as good as Ghostbusters, but many, many films are not as good as Ghostbusters. No, but you know what's great about it? Yeah. Kate McKinnon, Leslie Jones are great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, if it, if shut it, up. It was, if it was just those two pairing up with like their two best friends and doing <laughs> some other kind of like hijinks, it'd be amazing. Uh, three Identical Strangers, we, we've just been talking about this, haven't yes. we? They're making an actual narrative film out of Three Identical Strangers. Get me, Army Hammer. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the weird thing is, though, um, it's going to be written and produced by Anthony McCartan, who gave us Bohemian Rhapsody in Darkest Hour. So I'm not oh. sure how to. I'm not what? sure. Yeah, that, they, they don't go together. Yeah, I'm not sure how that's quite gonna work. But 
Okay. Yeah. Fair. But okay, if anyone doesn't know the story, Three Identical Strangers is about a guy who went to college and discovered that uh, actually a guy had just left college who happened to be his identical yeah. uh, his identical twin. He had his face. They then united, only to discover there was a third one as well. Yeah. And that this was not the first time this had happened. And it is a really messed up documentary. How that did not get the Oscar. It, How I do mate, not It know. didn't get nominated. Didn't even get nominated, no. It was oh. it was one of those years where like all the big documentaries just kind of got sidelined. So uh, Minions Two is happening. Oh yeah, yeah, right, cool. Yeah, What's, what else is in the news? Uh, <laughs> Minions: The Rise of Gru, opening July third, twenty twenty. So it's going to be more of a prequel, I would imagine. Yeah, me. rather than a Minions adventure, this will just be. I've I've prequel. not seen a Minions movie, but like it's I'm, not bad. I it's actually really all. like the the idea behind it. I really like the story. It's got Michael Keaton in it. Has it? Yes. Who does he play? Does he play a big bad guy? Oh, he Maybe plays the he plays the human uh, father of a family in a in a, in a suburban yeah. uh, in like a, a station wagon, suburban station wagon. Who the minions hitch a ride with on a road trip to Florida to meet Sandra Bullock's villain. Right. So, yeah, he, he's great fun in it as well. well. Maybe I should check it out. You should. It's very good. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Derek Kolstad, who is one of the creators of and the writer of the uh, John Wick series. Okay. Yeah. He's got a new job. He is going to be uh, he's going to be penning the uh, the upcoming film adaptation of the video game series Just Cause. <gasps> I like those games. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Jo- imagine Why John Wick pedigree. Long. We're gonna have John Wick pedigree doing this. Yeah, that's isn't, cool. So it's basically like Max Payne meets Uncharted, just cause, isn't it? Pretty much, yeah. Although weirdly, you get to jump out of planes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. You get to jump out of planes and shoot people as you fly. Yeah, exactly. yeah. great, great game. <laughs> your your action of shooting people it's, is... it's a bit jovial, isn't it? Yeah. It's a bit Theresa May. It's a bit, it, it was a bit, a bit yeah. Theresa May that. But yeah. uh, strong, strong and stable, man. Strong. And yeah, stable. yeah. As long as as long as my my gunfire is strong and stable. Yeah. yeah. So um, a rainy day in New York. Remember that? That's the I have a reminiscence of that. That's the oh. film Woody Allen had made that Amazon were going to be releasing. Do you yeah. remember? Once Upon a Time. So I think I've heard about this recently. Isn't he now kind of self-releasing it? Has he said that? Well, Amazon Studios have simply returned the rights. <laughs> we, we don't want it. Yeah. We just they have literally gone back with, do you know what? You, you, you take this one, Woody. You, 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 this one's not for us. Oh, you, you have fun. You know you've got some problems on your hand when a studio's just like... You do it. You you, you take the it. rights back. It's fine. It's fine. You you go off on your way. Now this is the one that stars Elle Fanning and Timothy Chalamet. So let's be really honest. This is not a decision they've taken lightly. Because if you drop a Woody Allen movie starring mm. Elle Fanning and Timothy Chalamet during awards season, let's be honest, the movie could be crap and it will still garner acclaim. But I guess for the last five years, even if it's a halfway decent Woody Allen film, people just don't care anymore. No, I'm not saying people just want to it. definitely. That was the last one I really cared about. Yeah. And that, that was less because it was a Woody Allen film, more because she was amazing in it, and mm. Bobby Carnavale was in it. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I need to talk about a movie really quickly. I need to talk yes, about a documentary, do. uh, which is XY Chelsea, which is out this week. And XY Chelsea is a documentary in the vein of something like Risk or Citizen Four. You know okay. these very stylized, politically angled profile documentaries, mm. like both of those films I've just named are. This also, incidentally, it is produced by the director of those two movies. Uh, this though comes from uh, Tim Travers Hawking. It's um, let's say a look at the life and the career of Chelsea Manning in 
largely within a contemporary context. We get told the backstory and shown archival footage to fill in the gaps to give us the backstory. Right. But it's, it's all about, you know, what she did, where, when and why, what drove her to it. But it's as much about her own inner turmoil. Obviously, she came out as a trans woman while serving a prison sentence for leaking government secrets. And that's now an intrinsic part of the uh, of the tale. But the film details that in as much as it details her emotional state and also what she really thinks of Julian Assange, which is something, I'll be really honest, I hadn't considered. Because mm. you just assumed that they were colleagues or something? You would, you would factor it in, yeah. Nah, not really. Yeah, not really. Bad blood. <laughs> no. Here's, here's a clip. It was this endless stream of violence and death and destruction. What she actually details is that she didn't have... She literally, for time reasons, just went with the first available opportunity, which turned out to be WikiLeaks. They seemed on the level, mm. and obviously because of the modern context of WikiLeaks, that, that gets questioned. Um, the film basically sees Chelsea Manning trying to be a crusader for you know what's good and what's right yeah. in the modern day without herself really exploring what, what the rules of engagement are without really exploring the things you can and can't do. At one point, I don't know if you know this story, she, she tried to be a double agent within an alt-right group. Yeah, I had read about that. Yeah, yeah, and it went horribly wrong because I think it was the day of the International Women's March and she was photographed sure. with these alt-right yeah. people and she ha- simply hadn't considered that the world now is very different from the one that she left a decade yeah. ago before she was incarcerated and that uh, you know social media has its own context now, its own way of... you know The rage flies quicker than the logic and the reason does and because she doesn't consider that it shows her trying to operate on a field she simply doesn't understand. And it creates more difficulty, creates more drama, yeah. it creates more of an obstacle to her own mental well-being, etc. The only problem with it all is it, it, it does hinge largely on how intrinsically likeable and engaging you find Chelsea Manning. I personally have always found her a little bit annoying, if I'm honest, because there's a lot of whininess to it. There's a lot of very much of the millennial age bracket whining going on. Mm. Um... But if that doesn't bother you, then yes, the, that you know, there is a lot to, to, to unpack here and there's a lot of engagement to it, to be really honest. But it does, I, for me, it disappears far too often into the emotional side rather than keeping the focus squarely on the story, you know, story and allowing her emotional, her emotional state to simply be the seasoning that carries it, you know, what, what makes it playful along the way. Um, because that only makes about half of the runtime, half the movie's good. The other half, a bit less so. So if it was just a not just like a short film, or just yeah, like an hour long. I think if they trimmed a lot of Chelsea's own inner turmoil out of this and kept the focus on the story with her emotional world, because the story isn't about her emotional state. I don't particularly. Mm. I'm not going to see a documentary about Chelsea Manning because I care about Chelsea Manning's emotional about how state. How she feels. Yeah. yeah, I don't care. I'm going Do to I see a Chelsea Manning she... thing because. Yeah. You know, we know about Chelsea Manning because of her actions, mm. not because of her feelings. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't care yeah, about absolutely. her feelings. Yeah. Yeah. They weren't printing headlines about her feelings. 
Chelsea Manning feels sad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was never going to be a consideration. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, it's a like Citizen Four and Risk. There's a lot of that slickly, slickly enabled urgency and tension about it, though. But that's squandered on the emotional side. So, yeah. But, you know, oh, yeah. solid. It works. It works. I just realised I wrote my notes down earlier and I just left the template four stars next to XY Chelsea. <laughs> so, we're going to do this really scary review. Really confusing. Four stars. I was giving you a really scathing <laughs> review, looking over the. Why have I given this four stars? Was I no, You meant to give that for Aladdin. <laughs> four exactly. Stars. Uh, what did yeah. I give Aladdin? Two stars. Just two. I just gave it two stars. Booksmart was four. Aladdin was two. Rocketman was three. Secret Life of Pets was four. Two for John Macaron. Two for Chelsea. Anyway, so uh, Daniel Craig's getting surgery. Yeah, he is. So he busted his ankle when he was filming Bond 25. Because we, Kelly and I had talked last week about they'd shut it down for a few days and they were reopening it. Yeah, I think now they're, they're carrying on while he just gets surgery. Oh, right. I'm just filming, like, the Daniel Craig-less bits. <laughs> the, the Bond-less bits, if you will. Um, Which yeah. is kind of difficult in a movie that's largely about... About James Bond. Yeah, yeah. I imagine that, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it looks like it's still going to hold to the release date. Though. We've we've not got a title, so have we? Uh, no, we have not. Shatter Ankle seems Shatter Ankle. Shatter Ankle like. seems a good candidate right now, though. Yeah, right. God, you know how I love I loves me a good uh, a, a good package movie. You know, a great concept, the right studio, the right star, etc. Recently, we had this with uh, Chris Hemsworth and the stripper movie. In which, uh, do you know about this? I don't. Chris Hemsworth is going to. Stop. Is that what you call it? The package movie? Oh, wait for it. Chris you Hemsworth. wait for it. Chris Hemsworth making point break with male strippers. Yes. Yes. I need that. Co starring Tiffany Haddish as his. As his uh... Oh, is that what that's about? Yes. And it's called Undercover Down Under. They're Australian strippers. God, that sounds amazing. Oh, I know. Paramount have, have bought that package, by the way, do. So. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the Loose Cannon Partner, by the way. That's Tiffany Haddish. Um, meanwhile, Constantine Film. Know those? <gasps> Paul W.S. Anderson. Right, Paul W.S. Yeah. Anderson. You know, right, okay. So, Constantine Film, they have something of a root in the uh, schlockier end of big-budget cinema. You're being nice. Oh, well, let's, let's be honest. The Resident Evil series is a B-movie series, but it's basically got the budget, comparatively, of a AAA title. And, like, they've made, they've made bank. They've made serious they, money. Because they don't spend a lot. So much money, in fact, that they've decided they'd like to do the Meg for a different animal. So... A dog. Ah, no, not quite. So, Constantine Film are going to, <laughs> are going to produce an as-yet-untitled action horror film about the emergence of a prehistoric creature known as the Titanoboa. Oh, what is that? Some, some kind of snake. The Titanoboa was an extinct creature that lived in Colombia and could grow up to 12.8 metres long and weighed over a metric tonne. The remit that they have announced to the world is they are going to do the Meg with snakes. I'm in. Yep. Oh. In. In. Part, part of me wanted it to be a woolly mammoth. Right. Guess better. But surely that comes into it. Oh, I know, I yeah. know. Well, just do what the Meg did, which is basically hint at a world filled with other things. Yeah. Because we we'll get, get that there. Meg sequel, and you know where it's, where it's going to go. Do you think it's going to be a big old squid? Just like a giant Well, it's going to have to be something. They're either going to have to go to the world, or something else is going to come out of that world. You want them to go... I, I just want the whole film to be underwater. But, like, mm. perhaps... Just have safe. Have safe and talk. To, just, just reason with a big shark. This is going to be the one where yeah. they psychically link Jason Statham with a shark, isn't it? 
What they like Pacific Rim it? Yeah, yeah. I think that's what I'll hear. It, you like walks into a big shark. Mecha shark, mecha shark, mecha that's shark. Yeah, yeah. Right. So much of the same producing team that did Resident Evil will be making this. They that, that same team recently finished the movie adaptation of the video game series Monster Hunter as well, nice. which I am very much looking forward to. What, what was this called again? So what 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 is the creature called? The Titanoboa. Titanoboa. Titan. Or Titanoboa. Like- Tit and O Boa. Say that again for me, please. Tit and Oboa. Titanoboa. Titanoboa. You see a girl called uh, Titanoboa? Titanoboa. Yeah. I knew a girl named Titanoboa once. <laughs> that was a long time ago. When I, was I, I was a different man. <laughs> Titanoboa. That day goes by, and I don't think of the promise I made that day on Gordon Street. Right. Wow, that's, that's big, isn't it? Uh, it's going to be written by the guy who wrote Doom Annihilation, Tony Giglio. A movie which I'm just going to rem- I'm just going to remind everyone of this. He's going to star my buddy Cassidy Little. He's going to be in that movie. Can't wait. Uh, so yeah, so look forward to that. Um, meanwhile, someone with increasingly less, uh, increasingly fewer things to look forward to. Jason Mitchell, yeah. who has uh, evidently been kicked off of more or less everything he was working on. Apparently, bit of a dick. Yeah, I've heard that. So there's been a lot of um, like mm. allegations. There's been um, like sexual harassment allegations against him. He was on a show I... called uh, The Chi, which the is Chi, yeah. the um, Lena Waif show, which I've, I've not watched, it. but I really want to watch it. I wanted to watch it for a while. Yeah, I hadn't. Yeah, I think it's on season two now. Or is about something to be like on that. He's, two? They're currently filming season two, I think, at the moment right. because the two of us he won't be coming back for number three. He's also been dropped from Desperados, which is a movie he was making for, for Netflix. Netflix, yep. Uh, Gunpowder Milkshake. That's, yes, it's uh, such a good title, isn't it? I know, and its it, it, its cast is increasingly uh, impressing. You know, so far, Karen Gillan, Angela Bassett, Paul Giamatti, Michelle Yeoh, yep. Lena Headey, and and I'm sorry, but this is how you get me to watch anything, right? Literally anything. You could make me watch. I don't know. I feel, I feel like I know who this is. You could make me watch a Miles Teller biopic if you cast. Carla Gugino as his mum. I knew it was going to be Carla Gugino. Just is there? Just Carla Gugino might genuinely be my favourite actress. I, 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 out I of all know. the actresses, out of all the actresses, I will watch anything if Carla Gugino is in it because a she can act. B I have fancied her since nineteen ninety, and C she's just great. She's got such a sense of what's cool and edgy and like the things she stars in. Yeah, like she was starring in comic book movies before they were any good. Like, she just she just seems like a more approachable Gina Davis. Yes. Yeah. 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 She for me basically is what would happen if Angelina Jolie hadn't won an Oscar. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, if Angelina Jolie hadn't won an Oscar, she would be Carla Gugino. Mm. That would basically be it. So if that girl was not interrupted, yes. If you'd would... not interrupted the girl. <laughs> She would have gone on to become Carla Gugino. <laughs> not yeah. up to the girl. She'd have been Carla Gugino. <laughs> Carla Gugino is a woman so awesome. Yeah. She's even been in Entourage. I mean, come on. I mean, you have very different tastes. Yeah, we do, we do, we do. Yeah. Hey, come on, Holly Valance was in Entourage. I mean, Holly Valance? Holly Valance was in Entourage. Uh, what was that song she did, Kiss Kiss? Oh, I was thinking more of the movie DOA, Dead or Alive. Of course you are. Which is just one of the greatest movies ever made. I don't care that, what you say. Citizen Kane, right next to yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm all about that. The Kane from Citizen Kane? Like, like fuck the third man. Like, I'm all about DOA. <laughs> 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 that, M. <laughs> <laughs> 
mean, you can throw Casablanca at me all you like. Yeah. It ain't got Eric Roberts as a villain, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Until you've got Holly Valance having a naked towel fight. Yeah. What is she even doing now? What, what is Holly, she Valance. Holly Valance. She married a billionaire and lives in Monaco, I believe. I mean, if you can do that, do that. Well, yeah. I'd do that, definitely. You'd never hear of me again. I think what it was. I asked Calvin some film-related question the other day. And, of course, you know, our age gap being what it is, he loves to exploit this. And he came back to me with, it's bloody, 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 and explained something apparently really basic to me. He says, how do you know the complete filmography of Roxanne McKee, but you don't know that? Mm. Which I then realised is factually accurate. (laughs) Depressing, but true. IFC. I get into the streaming game. Cool. Not another yeah. one, eh? Because everyone is. It's yeah. just we're going to get to a point where we just we're giving like five pounds to every single network, and we're just going to be spending like two hundred pounds a month. Can we not just have like a streaming package that we pay to to access all the streaming packages? Like a like a Netflix. Yeah. 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 Kind of like that, but oh. Oh, I know it's just it's getting a bit like. Like Disney one, yes, obviously you got my money because Disney yeah. they own most things now. Oh yeah, exactly. But uh, no. So, yep, Game of Thrones ended. We should probably talk about that really quickly. It's kind of a big deal in the world. I know this is a film show, but you know, are we spoiling it? Everyone, if you, everyone's if seen you're it, yeah, yeah, about it you've know seen what? it. By everyone's now. seen it. Everyone's seen. Were Game we of all right with it? We've, I was all right. I was Whatever. Fine with it. Whatever. Bit rushed. Didn't like the whole season as a whole ending. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. I mean, it was a good ending to the season, as I said to you earlier. Yeah. I mean, I'm just going to put it out there. The Mountain got a more dignified death than Cersei fucking Lannister, but... Yeah, I was... The, the thing I was most annoyed about was, was Jamie's death. Yeah, Jamie and Cersei, that was... Just, that ja- was, just Jamie going back to Cersei that was, was not for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, that was really weak sauce. I always wanted him to kill her, but that's just personal preference. Yeah, no, I, I wanted that to happen. But I am, I'm taking enjoyment in just the small things that I liked about it. Like so, the water bottle and the coffee cup. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I would watch that show. Oh, I just that's, loved it. That's the spin-off I want. I just loved it when Tobias Menzies got up in the last episode. Like, yeah. I like to think that my experience is like, sit the fuck sit down, man. down, guy from Outlander. Yeah. And you said because you were thinking it. You were thinking I, I was thinking, I forgot he was even a part of it. You were thinking, ever. bitch, sit down. And then it was Sansa comes out with, bitch, <laughs> and then I love that they were like, "We're not going to have this by a vote." By, by a vote, and then yeah. like five minutes later, Dead let's do this. Me. Let's do this by a vote. Oh right, okay. Do you know what? I was going to tell you this because obviously we're podcast actors, so we can do a little spoilery mm. stuff here. They've added a musical number to Aladdin. Right for the new. What? There's, there's a new song. There's a new song. Yeah, I think it's written by Alan Menken as well. Right, it's yeah. called Speechless. Oh, and it is effectively this movie. Is, is it for Jasmine? It's for Jasmine. Right. It is basically Let It Go. Right, it is an empowering. Hmm. I will not be silent. Okay. I will stand up and assert myself as a woman. Song that she performs, and then reprises, and then after the reprisal, is immediately silenced. Right, they wow. do that before they get to the whole. Now I am enslaving you. You must marry me, <laughs> bits. Yeah. To which you're thinking, oh, so she's gonna be silent and speechless. Kind of feel like we learned nothing from that song. Huh. Mm. And that, in a nutshell, is a problem with Aladdin. It says a thing and then doesn't do the thing. Yeah. Although a friend of mine pointed out that, you know when they do the whole uh, one jump sequence when he's jumping from yeah. roof to roof and through windows and shit? Uh, a friend of mine pointed out that, uh, <laughs> that they'd swapped out a room that he, he drops into in the animated one that's a school for a new one, which is a brothel. 
Oh. You're like, a what a weird transition. Nice. <laughs> was that Guy Richard's stipulation to do with Guy Richard's stipulation in this one is to swap out the score for a bottle. School for a bottle. The thing is, have you ever heard this story about Guy Ritchie? Well, I don't know what it is, so how can right. I comment on that? The story is that Guy Ritchie, as a director, mm. um, doesn't actually sit on the set and direct. Doesn't Well, if you're making Washed Away, would you? Swept away. Swept away. Swept away. Do I even care enough to That's remember it. what bloody song shit it was? Yeah. yeah. I'm not even the dignity of reading the title. Yeah. But uh, apparently he has a converted Winnebago. All right. Which has been retrofitted <laughs> as a log cabin inside. Okay. This is his editing bay and his fortress of solitude. And what he does is <laughs> he apparently drives up to set, plugs this in and directs the movie from the Winnebago. He has the okay. sets specifically designed for this so that he can do this. Now, whether that's true or not, I couldn't tell you. However, if you go back, and I did this just as an experiment, mm. if you go back through some interviews with Guy Ritchie, every now and again, he does name drop a Winnebago. He does casually mention that he has a special Winnebago. It comes up. Hmm. Now, I never really particularly put much stock in that theory. However, having now seen Aladdin, I actually now absolutely believe the story is true. Yes, Guy Ritchie drives his Winnebago up to set, plugs it in, opens a window and doesn't leave that Winnebago unless his life depends on it. I kind of like the idea. I feel like I would probably do that. Because <laughs> if I'm comfortable in an environment, no, I'm not going to leave it. That shit you get away with if you're Jean-Luc Godard. Right? Because we're like, ah, you crazy. You get away with that if you are Jean-Luc Godard. Right? You do not get away with that if you're the dude who made fucking Revolver. Okay? <laughs> right? No, but Man of the Life before Revolver. <laughs> he actually had good films, and then you know, Revolver yeah. happened. His last good this film. This is what happens though. when you put Jason Statham in a wig. Nobody wants that. Uh, that is true. That is true. Who was it? Was that Rayleigh Otter and Jason Statham Revolver? Yeah. Good luck. I don't think I ever even and finished then, it. And then Rock and Roll is all right. Is that the Gerald Butler one? Yeah. Uh, didn't I get name dropped in Geostorm? <gasps> yes, it might have. It did. One of the one yes. of the satellites is named... Rock and Roll, yeah. Yeah. Have you seen the trailer for Angel Has Fallen? Oh, my God. Have I? Only three goddamn times. I same, love that trailer. Oh. oh, it's incredible. Are those bats? No, they're not. They're little drones. Yeah, mini drones. Of course they are. Uh, Come with me, President Morgan Freeman. Where is that? <laughs> so, as Alan Eckhart, he's just... It's going for the he's amount of time. Yeah. Obviously, he's just phased out through re-election, you know, no third term kind of thing. Yeah. And, you know, he, the, uh, Morgan Freeman was the Secretary of Defence in the first one? Or was he Secretary? Yeah. Chief of Staff? I think that? he was Secretary of State. He was, he was Vice President in the second movie. I remember right. that. He had so been promoted to yeah. Vice President. So now he's just won, won the election. Now he's... And obviously he's run, obviously run for re-election yeah. before then. But, uh, yeah. So, mini-drones. Gerard Butler. Has Piper Perabo always been his wife? Yeah. Because I don't so. remember that yeah. at all. No, I, I honestly don't remember that. My question is, if uh, Morgan Freeman is a president in bits, yeah. has this entire trilogy just been a prequel to, to Deep, Deep Impact? Impact? Of course it has. We all knew this we is all where knew it was going. coming. We all knew this is where yeah. it was going. It's only so that we can have that side call to Deep Impact, mm. where, we, where we purely follow Gerard Butler's character. Mm. That's clearly what it's going to be. Yeah. Right, I've just pulled up the cast list for Olympus Has Fallen, okay? I'm curious, because I'm sure it was I'm Rada sure it was Mitchell. Pipe. I'm sure probably was... I knew it. What? It was Rada Mitchell. In so, one and two, it's Rada Mitchell. Recast. In number three, she's been recast as Piper Perabo. Huh. Ha-ha! <laughs> so I you would imagine it's going to have a much bigger part in this... I don't know. This film just feels like Joe Butler doing the future, and I don't know why that's not been done before. 
Yeah, it's kind of strange. I also, oh, has that been done? I also just like the idea that they cast Nick Nolte as as, as big, is. big Daddy Butler. <laughs> as is, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it, Dad. Nice <laughs> <laughs> to see you too, Dad. <laughs> it's a terrible trailer. Oh, but, oh, it's the worst trailer I've ever seen. But I can't wait. I can't wait. I mean, let's be honest though. There's a high bar you've got to get past with this one because once you've gone and dropped "fuck Hedistan" in a line yeah. of dialogue, go back to uh, "fuck Hedistan." Wherever, or wherever it is you came, came from, from yeah. that's the line good lord that made Man. it through rewrites through table readings well I think that was part of a rewrite they were like we've not got a line <laughs> offensive enough <laughs> so, somebody quick look all I care about is is Angel Has Fallen going to have head stabbing okay that's his only requirement well, it's got to. needs head stabbing yeah Look, we've, we've established it. I would imagine that he catches one of those mini bat drones in midair <laughs> in and then just stabs someone in the head with it. That would work, that would work. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to Angel's Fall. It's only a couple of months away, isn't it? So it's really soon. Yeah. Anyway, shall we end? We shall end. In which case, here it is. Your moment of cage. This is murder! Murder! You'll all be guilty! And you're doing it for nothing! Killing me won't bring back your goddamn honey!